Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to episode six of the smash hit podcast, The School for Dumb Women. We're back for another week of badly explaining things that we only just Googled. By now you'll be familiar enough with me, your host, Hannah Varrell, that you could probably guess my password. Joining me are my co-hosts, 90s mum snack buyer, Caroline O'Donoghue. Hannah, there's absolutely nothing wrong with eating Rivitas and go-ahead bars for lunch, and I want everyone to know that. And applied her fake tan with an actual mitt this week, Alexandra Haddo. It's taken me 29 years, but finally I don't look like I've got wall paint on for summer. This week we've got lessons in design technology, biology and history with a bit of mystery. If you know why that rhymes, please do write in and tell us. (laughs) Here we go with the show. So obviously we all know from episode three that women don't wee and definitely don't poo. Um, And definitely not in the shower. And definitely not not nude. And they definitely don't pretend that they're Eve in Eden when they poo nude. That's Mm. not a fantasy women entertain. (laughs) Nude poo sounds like a pharaoh and ball shade. (laughs) (laughs) But I was thinking if I did poo, I might have spent some time on the loo this week wondering what to do for this episode. And that's when inspiration hit hypothetical me. uh, And I realised I needed to work out why we use loo roll. To keep our bums clean. To keep our bums from getting that weird bum itch that everyone hates so oh, much. Oh, bum itch. I don't know if I have. Uh, you two were just discussing itchy anuses before. Uh... <laughs> Excuse me, Hannah. If anyone's listening, I am single. <laughs> Come itch it for me. Hannah, yeah. it's not your, you can't tell the innocent listeners what we discuss before the microphones go on. How we discuss how itchy our anuses are and then when we walk, we try and rub our anus. <laughs> together to try and itch it with our own cheeks oh is that because I'm breaking the fourth wall is that the problem yeah Yeah, people are feeling very uncanny valley about all of this they don't like it we only exist in the context of this podcast Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we don't have anuses we don't have bodies no No. we are voices we are Uh, but yeah I don't I don't think I have an itchy anus I don't ever that's because you wipe your bum properly oh maybe Mm. yeah maybe I'm just much better at it than you are well those are fighting words, Anna. <laughs> there's, a, there's only one way to find out. <laughs> anyway, um, if you think about it too much, it is mental that we have special paper to wipe our bums with. Like, why paper? Where did that is come it from? Mental? Yeah. Like, is it any more or less mental than having like a tampon? Or something? Okay, but when you get your hands dirty, how do you clean them? You wash them. Yeah, with soap and water. You don't use kitchen roll. Ah, but everywhere in Europe uses a bidet. Because I recently went to Italy and my friend decided when she was very, very drunk to use a bidet for the first time. 
What was happened? it great? Well, I think you sort of use the B-Day and then you feel like you have to then wipe away the wetness with the loo roll anyway. Yeah. So. <laughs> Completely. It's kind of useless, really. Maybe it's, um. do you know when you get that sort of dry bum? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Itchy bum. Dry yeah, bum. just dry bum. Do you know when you can't, like, it's just, it all, when you're wiping it, it all just feels very dry. Yeah, it feels very sandpapery. Yeah, yeah. maybe it's to, to lube up the, the area. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, yeah, we're, like, I feel like girls do neat poos and boys, like, I don't know what goes on in a bathroom with a guy because sometimes they come out and they say things or they react like there's poo everywhere. Is there poo everywhere? I think it is slightly a boy kind of pride thing to spend ages in the loo. It completely I is. I don't get that. If I pooed, I would poo in like a minute. Less yeah, than that. 30 same. seconds. Sometimes if-, if I pooed, I would poo so speedily. I mean, literally, it's a very efficient process. I think women, if they pooed, they would be conditioned to poo quickly because there's that thing when you go on a date and you're terrified that someone thinks that you're pooing. Oh, yeah. yeah. So you either go super quick, you like you queue it up in your bowels for like an hour. So that to, you know it is primed. You know it's primed to poo. Yeah. <laughs> it goes right out. Yeah. And then if, it, if you're in there for longer than like 90 seconds, you're like, oh, cue. He's going to think I'm doing shit. Oh, quick, yeah. put some lipstick on. Yes. <laughs> so he thinks that's what I've been doing in there. And that's why women have handbags. Yes. Mm. Poo shields. But you didn't ask why women have handbags. You asked <laughs> why we have lyrics. Yeah, so um, it just kind of seems a bit silly when you have B-Days and uh, in Asia they have little hoses and in Japan they have the toilets that kind of squirt you with water and then dry you. I actually used one of those very recently when I was staying at my friend's parents' holiday home. There was a button with the lady on it and there was a button that just had a little a drop on it to signify water. And then there was another symbol which I didn't really understand. It was like kind of a weird upside down triangle. And, um, oh. and I pushed that because I didn't know what it was. Yeah. <laughs> and it turned out to be my friend's dad's like his own preset. Oh. <gasps> yeah, which is weird. Oh. Like, oh. That's such a weird thing of like your dad, your friend's dad who you don't even know. Like you're uh, you're on his weird butt preset. Oh. What, did it, what did it do? It was just, it was horrifying I don't know like this guy's fucking his butthole must be made of like canvas because <laughs> it was such an assertive like shoot of water that went all over my butt <laughs> that's what I mean, I mean and, then, and then like it dried immediately it was like a fat like a, a, like oh. a hand dryer going drying it and, but the, and you didn't feel the need to wipe I did wipe just because I felt weird. Oh, okay. <laughs> and that's kind of your instinct. Isn't I it? once went yeah. to the weirdest guest house in Hastings where they'd obviously got a shipment in of those weird Japanese toilets and then built the idea of the B&B around them. <laughs> <laughs> but they were successful. You liked them. Uh, I did like them. Yeah, they were, well, they were weird. And I agree with Caroline. I feel like, you know, maybe I'm institutionalised as yeah. a Western person that I yeah. felt like I still needed to you wipe. Just go for the wipe, yeah. When do you think people started using toilet roll? The answer for all of these questions I'm beginning to realise is the Egyptians. When in doubt, the Egyptians. I was going to say the turn of the century? What, like 1900s? Yeah, the year 2000, we got Willennium and we got Lero. (laughs) Those first 11 years of my life were tough. Uh, Well, you're kind of both right, in a way. Um, I mean, it wasn't the Egyptians, it was in China, actually. Uh, In the 14th century... So that was when they first, um, the first known existence of specifically manufactured toilet paper. 14th century? Yeah. Really long time ago. And then... Um, so while we were dying of plague, yeah. they were like... <laughs> they were like, hmm. I don't have enough things to do. 
I'm going to decide. I'm going to invent toilet roll. Actually, the first um, use of paper for hygiene purposes, but not specifically manufactured toilet paper, was recorded in China in the 6th century as well. So Fuck. even earlier than that. Christ. Um, but Alex, you were kind of right to say the turn of the century because modern commercial toilet paper uh, kind of originated in the 19th century and the first patent for roll-based dispensers was made in 1883. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. So there you go. Um... And it was a guy called... Thomas Crapper. No, that's the inventor no. of the toilet, isn't it? <laughs> Joseph Gaiety. So he's the guy who we think was sort of... Um, he's credited with being the inventor of modern commercially available toilet paper in the US. And he had his name on all the paper. So you'd wipe your bum with the... Wow. With you'd... Joseph Gaiety's toilet paper. Literally wipe your ass on his name. Yeah, isn't that what everyone wants in life? The advertising for that must have been so easy though. Have a gay old time. Yeah. <laughs> you and your butthole. I also learned, um, this is really good, in places where they didn't have toilet paper, rich people would wipe themselves with wool, hemp or lace. The French lace. aristocracy would use lace. I bet Marie Antoinette was wiping her ass oh, with silken lace. Yeah, That's so fucking French. Yeah, like, of oh. course, of course they wiped their asses with lace. Because have you Obviously. ever, have you ever read about affair. lace making in general? Not really. I mean, I haven't really either, but there were a lot of, like, um, like kiddie history books I used to read when I was really young, and um, they would always be about these, like, young, plucky Irish girls who, um, from, like, horrible backgrounds, but who had a talent for lace making, and then they would, like, <laughs> sell pieces of lace to the posh women, the posh English women. Um, like, Irish children's books are pretty big. Um, but, yeah, now that memory is just ruined for me of, like... <laughs> Little plucky peg, like <laughs> selling her lace patches for fucking Aww. butthole wiping. Her eyes weren't great, but she had such a talent. <laughs> she was she the cleanest a... butthole in all of Ireland? <laughs> I really resent how your Irish accent is better than mine. Yeah, like when true. you're trying to do a camp Irish accent, it's always better than my one. Oh, thanks, pal. So elsewhere, for people that weren't so rich, they would kind of just use their hands when they were shitting in a river or Bastards. clean themselves with um, rags, wood shavings, leaves, grass, hay, stone, sand, moss, water, snow, maize, ferns, plant husks, fruit skin, seashells, corn cobs. Just things you saw on the way Hang over on. here. Yeah. <laughs> can I... Can I- can I pop a pin in wood shavings? And seashells as well. They're quite, seashells. They're quite rough at the edges. Poor old seashell. It's got washed up. It's thinking, <laughs> oh, a brand new world. Ah! <laughs> Someone's <laughs> asshole. Yeah. Jesus. And rocks sometimes too. And obviously, like, really sadly, in a lot of developing countries, they don't have access to toilet paper and mm-hmm. they kind of still have to use these things, which really sucks. Don't use wood chippings, though. Splinters. Yeah. Oh, and I have a splinter fact, actually. Thank you for reminding me. Oh. Splinter in your sphincter. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a folk song. I got a splinter in my sphincter. (laughs) And I'm coming round for tea. (laughs) Get ready with your tweezers. You're going to pluck it out for me. I'm just looking at you absolutely all right now. Like, how was that living inside of you all this time like a parasite? You've missed your calling. Harry Harris, who does our jingle, is an actual folk singer. And Harry, I would be happy to record this with you in the near future, if you're listening. Uh, well, yeah, people did get splinters. Um, <laughs> apparently, the manufacturing of toilet paper 
had quite a long period of refinement. Um, as late as the 1930s, a selling point of one tissue company called the Northern Tissue Company was that their toilet paper was splinter-free. They literally would put that on the adverts. Oh, so like, of course, because w- paper is wood. Yeah, but it's like pulped up and everything. But I guess maybe if you're doing it cheaply oh. or whatever, maybe something would, you know, some splinters would fall through. Oh. Fuck it now. Yeah. The past is bleak. Yes, Absolutely. so bleak. <laughs> bleak as shit. But to that point that we were saying the other day, I bet if you went back to the Romans, they were probably doing it with like, ooh, linen. They, yeah. <laughs> they used a sponge, a sponge on a stick, yeah. and then they would keep it in like a bowl of vinegar or something, but that was like in public loose. Oh, it was all going so well until you said public lose. Yeah, it all seemed very sophisticated up until then. Mm. I'm like, oh, well, I use a sponge. (laughs) I kind of feel like we've almost reached peak toilet paper with Alex's song. So I'm just going to do... Available on iTunes (laughs) as a separate download. (laughs) It's a charity single. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I'm just going to wrap this up quickly. What percentage of people do you reckon think that toilet paper hanging over is better than toilet paper hanging under? (gasps) This is one of those things where, like, occasionally I hear people arguing about shit like this, and it's like, wow, other people's minds are different to mine. Like, I wouldn't ever think about no, thinking never, about that. I've never really? thought about that before in my life, but I, I prefer hanging over. How have you never thought, guys? No, don't You're even. Philistines. No, never. Have. I mean, you've pooed my house. Like, I mean, there's the. I we just like have a shelf next to the toilet where it all yeah. just sits. Yeah, that's yeah. what that's what I have in my flat yeah. as well. Yeah. I've got a roller. Ooh, it's yeah. a real poverty line, isn't it? It's because of the proceeds from my single. <laughs> I was able to afford it. In years to come, we'll be on like behind the music, and we're like, that was the moment where we knew we'd lost her. We knew there was greatness in the room with Splinter and my sphincter. <laughs> I'm the Harry Styles of dumb women. Yeah. You are. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I was surprised to learn, although I guess you guys probably weren't, that only between sixty and seventy percent of people think that overhang is better than underhang. And I guess probably the other people just don't think about it. Nope, don't even. God, I I honestly thought that was a big thing. I'm going to do a lightning round quickly. True Mm -hmm. or false? They're all true. Um, (laughs) It takes 384 trees to make the toilet paper that one man or woman uses in his or her lifetime. True. Yes, true. Well done. Um, Beyonce only uses red Renova toilet roll, which is $3 per roll. True. 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 How do we know this? It was on BuzzFeed. $3 a roll. I actually expected that Beyonce would have more expensive toilet paper. Is like that... gold toilet paper. Yeah. Mm. I think at the moment she's just using Jay-Z's soul, isn't she? <laughs> <laughs> I think so, yeah. yeah. Lastly, because apparently all my opinions on toilet paper are actually uh, completely unique. Um, do, you, <laughs> do you scrunch or do you fold? Scrunch. Fold. Fold. Alex, really? you're out. Mm. You're eliminated. <laughs> So at this point in the podcast, we normally have a Women Who Code mixer. Unfortunately, I have some sad news for you. Uh, This week's mixer was cancelled because we couldn't unfold the folding chairs. Couldn't work out how to code them open. Yeah. (sighs) That's real sad. So we're just sitting here. Got a new dress and everything. I know. We're sitting here in our best clothes with glasses of dry white wine looking at these folding chairs. Not the fucking clue what to do. Exactly. I've got my name tag on. Yeah. Mine mine too. I've got two name tags on. I've got my name tag on, but I think I've spelled it wrong. Um, yeah, she says woman. Luckily, we do have a question in from Twitter this week to replace our woman who code mixer. What's that about, Hannah? 
Well, yes. Uh, if you've been listening to this podcast for a few weeks now, um, you might know that we had author Lisa Owens on in episode four. She was lovely, wasn't she? She was so lovely. I liked her a lot. We had a tweet from Lisa Owens in the sense that she tweeted about something and I saw it and decided it was going to be for Dumb Women Pod. Oh um, my God, you're such a good coder. That's how it works. You saw that on Twitter. And I coded it in my brain that she was asking us. This is why you're on all the coding panels, by the way. This <laughs> yeah. is why you get invited on every yeah. coding panel. Yeah. So Lisa asked uh, Dumb Women on Twitter why her homegrown ice tastes and smells so ghastly. So I decided to find out why Lisa's ice is so terrible. It turns out, Lisa, your ice is terrible because you're gross. Um, (laughs) Apparently ice can absorb smells from whatever else is in your freezer. So if your ice smells like farts, maybe it's the frozen farts you've been storing in there. Um, According to one internet person, if your ice smells bad, there are four steps you can take. Have you got your pen and paper? I've got it. Hang on. Point one, clean your freezer. Point two, make a fresh batch of ice. Apparently, you should only store ice for a week and no longer than that. Hi, water has been around for years. Yeah, I don't know. I don't understand it either. Point three, keep your ice under wraps. So, like, cover it with something or put it in, like, a plastic bag. Which and seems... don't tell anyone. Yeah, I know. It's like, keep this on the DL, but I got some ice in the freezer. Got some premium oh, ice. Mine. Gotta make a GNT later. Um, and then the last point, don't use silicon trays because they apparently absorb smells even more than just ice. So I hope that helps, Lisa. Um, and remember, if you're also a dumb woman and you need help navigating everyday life, you can tweet us on at Dumb Women Pod for terrible advice. So we have a first on the podcast this week. We have our first Dumb Women submission um, from Emily Baker. Uh, here's what she asked us. Hi, School for Dumb Women. I need someone to tell me what fish are, specifically. Why do they not have legs? Why? Like, how are they wet all the time? Things can't be wet all the time. And do they have organs? I'm done. So I need to know about fish. <laughs> Thanks for teaching me a dumb woman. Woman? Women. Woman. I'm dumb. <laughs> Firstly, Emily, the first step is admitting it. You are dumb. And we are here for you with that. We're all dumb too. Mm-hmm. But I'm here to help. now less dumb about fish. Fish are mad, guys. They're mad. They're mad. <laughs> They're, How mad are they? <laughs> out of ten, they're a full ten. <laughs> a full ten on mad. Oh, wow. Anyway, try researching fish. There's so much info out there. Uh, so I've decided to focus in on some fun points about fish. Yeah, um, did you get Emily, really overwhelmed and bored very quickly? I just, I was, I was, there's so many fish out there, Caroline. There's different types of fish as well. So many. Oh, I actually had this debate with my housemate the other day, true story, because he said that he went to a restaurant and he had hake. And I ah. said, that is a fish that you could not have named at age 12. How many fish could you name at age 12? Edible fish. Ooh, um, tuna, cod, salmon. Done. Oh, yeah. I went tuna, cod, haddock. You're a bit posher oh. than me. Maybe mackerel. Uh, sardines as well. Oh, yeah. My mum liked sardines, so... Mackerel at 12? Yeah, mac- yeah I could have... Ma- yeah, mackerel, yeah, definitely. Yeah, mackerel's all right. There's so a lot of mackerel like going five, on when six? I was a kid. Yeah. Oh, fair. Yeah, but definitely they're like your lexicon goes from about four to six words. Yeah. Like to like thirty words very quickly. Yes. I mean when do you start ordering the sea bass? <laughs> right? Mm. It is one of those things where like so you're you're in a restaurant and someone goes, Oh, I think I might have the um rock. 
Yeah. What? When you're immediately like, shit, I was just going to have a burger. Yeah. I have to look like a yeah. grown-up. Yeah. Like, fish. Can I just say, like, fucking 95% of fish dishes taste like nothing. Yeah. yeah. And I, I know that's going to have people being like, oh, you just haven't tried the right fish. It's a subtle <laughs> flavour. It's, it's like, I've been su- smoking subtle? and drinking what? for too long to have taste <laughs> fish ever. Like, I love mussels because it's kind of like a game and you can have chips with them. That's true. Um, and I love, a, I love a bit of smoked salmon. But, like... Fish and chips, what you're really getting there is chips and brown stuff. Like yeah. it's batter, chips isn't and it? Chips batter. Fried batter. Yeah. 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 It's, it's batter, a vehicle for great. the batter. It absolutely is. And people are like, it's like people who order onion rings aren't all about the onion. Oh, God, no. So mm. fish and chips people need to stop being so fucking pretentious like and pretending, calamari. They, pretending they care about... Yeah, calamari bollocks. Just batter some fucking elastic bands. <laughs> Calamari is shit. Calamari is shit. I, I love calamari, but uh, I agree that it's shit and doesn't really taste like anything. Because I only came across like this. Yeah. yeah. You like tartar sauce. Yeah. 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 So how are fish wet all the time? They're wet all the time because they haven't evolved to come on land. Apart from, Hannah, Ooh. glad you asked. The Turtles. Are they fish? They're not fish. They are... Lizards. Are they fish? Dolphins. Ooh. Our overlords. Let's... <laughs> Not yet. Any day now. I've come back to the wrong place in this time machine. <laughs> there is one fish that can spend days on land, and it's called the mud crawler or something. The point is they're wet all the time because they can't breathe if they but come they out But they breathe it. oxygen in the water, which sounds ridiculous. Yes, yeah, they absorb it via os- osmosis into their gills. I have looked at a lot of pictures today of cut-open gills, and let me tell you guys, it's disgusting. So... To answer your question, Emily, they don't have legs because they haven't evolved yet because they don't need legs because they're not on land. They can swim through the ocean. They do have organs, quite similar to us, actually. Well, heart, lungs, all the rest. They have. They don't have a... They, oh, they gills do gills instead of lungs, They do they? have a heart, gills instead of lungs, but they have kidneys and stuff. Oh, yeah, fine. I know. They don't, I don't oh, think they have a liver. What do they eat? Plankton. Yeah. Plankton, yeah. Bits some, and pieces. Some eat plants. Off the shop floor. Yeah. It's quite sad for them because they don't have sex. They just lay eggs and oh, then yeah, someone else comes along and jizzes on them. Squirt the eggs out, don't they? Yeah. Boring. Which is what we do. I but... fucking kill myself. I it's know, such a right? terrible life. It is shit. No joy. Because also, um, I, I was doing that thing where I was like, uh, the dictionary defines fish as. <laughs> And number one is a limbless, cold-blooded vertebrae animal with gills and fins living wholly in water, which sounds very sort of grand. And then definition two, a person who is strange in a specified way. <laughs> what? So I bet Caroline's such a fish. No, it's like someone being an odd fish is definitely a thing. Or he is genuinely thought to be a bit of a cold fish. Something yeah. like that. Um, you, you never, funny fish. You never describe that. someone as having fish-like attributes and mean it as a compliment. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Apart yeah. from if they're a great swimmer. That's about it, yeah. Mm. Like a fish out of water, bad. Plenty more fish in the sea, true, but not for long because we're killing them all. Because we're all <laughs> bastards. Um, but some fun facts for you guys. What are some of the things that you hear about fish, would you say? Your average goldfish pet. Oh, they have no memory. They have short-term memory. And Wrong! <clears throat> Though goldfish have been used almost as a synonym for forgetfulness for decades, scientists have found they can actually remember things for up to five months. Do you know, what? I believe that because we used to have goldfish in uh, my parents' pond, and I would go and feed them, and I would kind of like hover over the pond, and they would see my shadow on it, and they would come up 
and like try and eat stuff on the on the top of the pond even when there was nothing there so they clearly kind of did remember that when there's a big shadow next to the pond yeah you're gonna get food so that's true you know and that was only once a day which brings me to the second point which the scientists said they can even be trained to associate certain sounds with feeding time so maybe they maybe they heard you so you can train your goldfish also that's the only thing cool though no it's true it's not gonna give you a high five is it no it's gonna give you a wet Mm. one (laughs) how many years ago do you think fish began evolving into what we now know as fish three million yeah like five million okay Mm. yeah not just 2012 (laughs) (laughs) around the same time as millennium yes (laughs) and loo roll 530 million years ago during the Cambrian explosion which sounds like something in a posh university doesn't it but <laughs> it does yeah it's like every year the boys do the Cambrian explosion yeah <laughs> it's when you uh, tie all your punts together <laughs> <laughs> exactly yes and uh, they also I, a lot of people in my office today saw me googling do fish poo yeah, they do. They have yeah. like stri- horrible strings of poo, don't they? Yes, and then you have to get a fish in the tank that eats the poo. Oh, really? Yeah, that's a thing. And also, if your tank smells of ammonia, that means they've all been pissing too much. Oh. It's disgusting. And then I fell down a sort of um, googling hole, and um, somebody saw me googling do sharks fart? And do they? Um, sharks poo right. and fart, but sharks poo is very rare. And they can never find any samples of it. And there was this huge article about how gleeful scientists were when they found some shark poo recently. Wow. That's cool. But surely, like, sharks, there are sharks in aquariums and stuff, aren't there? Like, small sharks. So, surely they're pooing. Are they hiding it? Hmm. Maybe they hide their poo. Maybe they're like women. What? (laughs) Most fish release their nitrogenous wastes as ammonia. Some of the wastes diffuse through the gills. Ew. Ugh, so you breathe Man. out your fish shit. Yeah. Blood wastes can you are tell filtered me, by the kidneys. Can you tell me at least one like nice fact about fish that doesn't make me want to like hate them? Um, well, you should feel sorry for them because you know what do, what's a common thing that fishermen say when they're fishing? Like your your man sort of down on the river with a rod. I have a fish. <laughs> I have no fish. Would you like to buy one of my fish? <laughs> Popular rumour, I have a fish. Well, he doesn't. No. Um, they. What do they say when they're using a hook to catch fish to justify it? Oh, they'll put them back? No, they often say that they can't feel pain. Oh. Well, that is bullshit, my friend. Pain in Fish by William Tavolga. What a lovely name. Has provided evidence that fish have pain and fear responses. For instance, a toadfish grunted when electrically shocked, and over time they came to grunt at the mere sight of an electrode. Oh. Poor old toadfish. Is he still a neighbours? <laughs> I think he is. Didn't Dee come back recently? Because, you know, she drowned. Did you watch Neighbours? she drown and she die like three times? She drowned on their wedding day, and then apparently I think she came back like 12 years later and was like, Hi! It's me. I've been gone for 12 years. This is like when um, Susan Kennedy slipped on some yoghurt and then thought she was 12 again. Oh, yeah. God, Neighbours was great. <sighs> Neighbours was great. Basically, stop fishing, guys, because fish can feel pain and you're horrible bastards hooking them in the mouth and luring them in with a little worm. Have you ever heard the phrase um, fisherman's wife before? Yes. Do you know what it refers to? Because I heard a new... Isn't that just a sweet 
Fisherman's friend. Yeah, that's a fisherman's friend. My it's dad's a really strong mint in the brown packet. If I ever folded my arms as a child, my dad would say, don't stand like a fisherwife. Yeah, fishwife, right? Yeah. But um, I was talking to someone recently in Ireland who um, they were talking about either their mother or their sister and they were saying, um, oh, she's got she's got eight kids, pure fisherman's wife. And right. I was like, I was like, what does that mean? Because I only heard the phrase like fishwife to like talk about like a shrill woman or whatever, yeah. you know, like yeah, a shrill yeah. common woman or something. Um, and she was like, yeah, you know, fishermen keep their wives pregnant. So when they go off to like on long trips or whatever, they, they're not messing around on them. Whoa. Oh, and my. I've never heard that before. Men. Yeah. God. Sort it out. Fishermen, sort it out. <laughs> Fisher ladies, start using the coil, okay? A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. So Caroline this week has a very clever lesson, which is both geography and history. I know, Hannah. It's a two for one. It's like when you get one of those teachers who's your religion teacher and your PE teacher, and then you find out 10 years later, he was just a pervert. Yes! (laughs) Today I'm here to talk to the school about the Bermuda Triangle. It's the Bermuda Triangle. Why don't you see it from my angle? That's the Barry Manilow song. What? What? That's a real life Barry Manilow song. That's not just my musical prowess. Anyway, carry on. Anyway, um, so uh, curious to know, what do you guys know about the Bermuda Triangle? Um, when I'm trying to make jokes about a thing that's disappeared because I have, I am at fault for some reason. Oh. I say, oh, it's the Bermuda Triangle. Amazing. When and I've that lost is, something or like great not excuse. done something at work. So good. I remember being genuinely scared of the Bermuda Triangle because we had an assembly on it at school and I was too young to realise that it wasn't a vortex of hell and I was very scared. <laughs> so what, you did, like an assembly, as in like all of the kids were put into uh, the warning. school? <laughs> warning! Warning! Kids. Any of you flying to Cuba? <laughs> <laughs> Mr Smith, who teaches maths, is going on holiday, wish him well! Uh, no, it was just, we had assemblies on very random topics, like a teacher would take something and just do a ten minute talk on kind it in the like request. Yes. Kind of like how this. this works. Oh my god. It was the original school for dumb children. Oh, oh but all children are dumb by definition because they know fuck all. That's true. Um so yeah, I was very scared about it because I thought that all like it was very suspicious. 
Yeah, I like, um, I don't know if you guys felt the same way, but when I was about um, sort of 10, 11, 12, that kind of classic sort of post-dolls, pre-boys period, I got really into conspiracy theories. And actually, the sad thing is about most conspiracy theories, it's a good thing to be obsessed with them when you're kind of 10, 11, 12, because as soon as you get kind of like basic cognitive skills and the ability to research things you find out that most of them are hoaxes yeah and they're also like explained quite easily yeah uh, the Bermuda Triangle one is fascinating Um, so to just clear up where exactly the Bermuda Triangle is trick question nobody knows oh okay so technically it is um, the triangle between Florida Bermuda and Puerto Rico Um, but even that space hasn't been triangulated very well. So there are loads of different conspiracy theorists who have written about the Bermuda Triangle over the years. But all of them have like different measurements like for where it actually is. And um, one of the most popular writers who made the phenomenon so, so, so talked about... We used to say things like in his book about it. I actually can't remember his name and for some reason I haven't written down here. But he wrote a very famous book in the 70s about the Bermuda Triangle that got everyone talking about it. Um, And he said, oh, um, there have been too many unexplained deaths in and around the Bermuda Triangle. Which is basically the Atlantic Ocean. Yes. (laughs) Quite treacherous if you're not a fish. (laughs) Yeah. So people who really want to big up the whole like, you know, there's like a weird electromagnetic current or aliens abduct people from it or whatever. Yeah. So why? what is is the basic thing? Why do people think it's, you know, mysterious or what's the what's the conspiracy theory? Well, there's a lot of like conjectured incidents, but the most famous one is what is known as Flight 19. Mm hmm. So, December 5th, 1945, so that would be just after World War II ended, because mm-hmm. that ended in May, didn't it? Yep. Um, there was a American troop or squad of bombardiers who were running a test mission in that area. So there were 13 crew members aboard five planes, led by Lieutenant Charles Taylor, and they disappeared. Ooh. They were flying around, they are doing a routine test mission just bombing the shit out of the ocean sure. to check that <laughs> bombs worked. Um, they Halfway through, they started getting some distress signals from it and then they disappeared. They all, five planes, all went down together and were never found. Oh. That is strange because... Yeah. When one plane goes down, you're kind of like, yeah. that's really mm-hmm. shit and sad, obviously. But five at once, that's... Completely. And it seems unusual. It's one of those things when you when you just take the story at that, and that is how the story is communicated to people, how I've just told it to you there. Um, when you communicate like that, it does seem like it's definitely a conspiracy, and you do finally feel that kind of electric feeling of like, oh my God, magic exists. We're so onto something. Yeah, release a Kraken, exactly. Um, and what actually happened was, as far as we can tell... It's not aliens, it's not electromagnetic fields, it's human error, essentially. So this guy, Lieutenant Charles Taylor, yeah. I say lieutenant, and what kind of face do you imagine? Like um, the Mustache. guy on the Yeah, the guy on the thing that says, your country needs you. Yeah, right? Yeah. He's 28. Oh, idiot. He's 28. He's got, he's an experienced pilot, he's flown a lot, but he also has a kind of a checkered military history Ooh. of kind of... You know, 
<laughs> like, is this going to be Tom Cruise's next role? <laughs> <laughs> he has a crisis of confidence. Yeah. Um, uh, he's yeah. got a wife and kid at home, and his alcoholism has stopped him in the past few years from seeing them, but he's going to pull it back with this mission in the Bermuda Triangle. What's his theme tune, Alex? <laughs> <laughs> the Barry Manilow song. <laughs> Try and see it by my <laughs> So he's a 28-year-old. He's um he's fought in, within World War II. He was in Japan. This is a training flight. It's all very routine. On the day of the mission, he shows up 45 minutes late. Pissed. Oh. It, I haven't been able to find anything to state that he was pissed, but I believe he may have been pissed. Right. <laughs> and he does say, he does request if somebody can do the mission instead of him that day. So I'm thinking Charles has got a bit of a head in him, right? Yeah, and also if you're in the conspiracy theory the- like frame of mind, that's an added sort of, ooh, we knew. Yeah, but actually I think he's just, I mean, apologies to any descendants of Charles Taylor because they're very defensive over his legacy. Oh. But I just think he was a bit of a lousy pilot and uh, bad okay. at his job and uh, possibly irresponsible. But then how did he manage to crash five planes? Yes. Well, I'll tell you why. Um, so... He they, they they do all their bombing in the appropriate places. That's all doing fine. On the way back, uh, Charles's compass stops working. So obviously this is pre-GPS. Um, so all you have to go by is your compass. Mm. Now, even with that knowledge, like, Charles has been stationed in Florida for the last six months and, you know, is a marine man and should basically know where everything is or or so you would think I'm not a pilot so I don't really know how intuitive that kind yeah. of stuff is yeah but you can look at where the sun is and be like okay like half an hour ago and that is flying west that is precisely like the instructions that he is given over the radio oh. so he still has radio transmission with his um with the people at home or whatever so Charles Taylor loses his way and he gets like really really lost and everything from there goes a little bit crazy so he's making radio contact with the ships and they're trying to give him advice but he seems really convinced that he hasn't lost his way oh classic oh, man right? it's just, just down here it's just down here <laughs> honestly best kebabs in London just down here <laughs> that's exactly what happens though I'm not stopping Sandra I'm not landing here to ask <laughs> I mean, you laugh, but people lost their lives because this guy was so sure he knew where he was. Essentially, he was like 300 kilometers away from where he thought he was. Oh, no. And, you know, that that's a bit of a mistake and everything. Uh, but he refuses to accept any kind of correction as Ooh. to that at all. Of course he does. Right? So... Uh, Lieutenant Cox, who's on the radio with him, says, do you want me to come and meet you and guide you home? And he says, no. He knows exactly where he is. <gasps> oh, like my dad. Yeah. yeah. Right? Literally, if you read the transcript back, um, it sounds so passive aggressive. He sounds so irritated. He's like, I know where I am now. Is this I know where I am now. I'm at 2300 feet. Don't come after me. So the standard procedure drilled into all students in the Marine Corps is that if you get lost, head 270 degrees towards the sun due west until you hit land. And that's supposed to be like pretty foolproof. At one point, Taylor says of the radio, one of the planes in the flight thinks if we went 270 degrees we could hit land sounds shaky hmm. so I'm not sure what gets into Charles Taylor's head but he's just convinced that he knows exactly what's going on convinced that he was over the Gulf of Mexico when he was actually in the Atlantic Ocean oh no oh. like it's that equivalent of that thing where you you know you're sure that your car is parked in, in level K yeah <laughs> you're sure and like nobody can tell you otherwise and then um, you have to live in level F forever <laughs> This is where, and like, there's always that point when you lose your car where you're like, I guess I just live here now. Yeah. <laughs> yes, don't live here. Um, 
So, you know, he's an experienced but not particularly talented pilot. He's 28 years old with a history of irresponsible blunders. But unfortunately, because of the way the Marine Corps is set the way it is, you follow the leader. You don't... We know that about the army, right? You don't break rank, ever. Mm. So they're running out of gas really rapidly. Um, So they just decide while they've got 20 minutes left of gas that they're all going down together. (gasps) Wow. Because that that is standard procedure when you're um, a bombardier or whatever, or anyone who's in the kind of military flying profession, is that if you are going down, you make a concerted effort to all go down together, because there's a greater chance of you being rescued if you're all together. That seems like very bad logic. Well, that's what it is. Because what if somebody landed and said, they're out there, go and get them now. Yeah. The weird thing is, is that... Such a male It's It's a very male thing. It's weird. If this happened, if these were all female pilots, it would be used as a case study to never employ female pilots. But instead it's like the great mystery of the Bermuda Triangle. So didn't they didn't they radio saying oh by the way okay we're just we're completely lost we're still we're just going to go down together like didn't the people in Florida send someone out to look they for did them? eight hours later oh God. yeah it's very weird that oh. that is still seen as one of the weird aspects of it maybe so, they were just like Charles was a dick yeah what a dick that's what you get he's probably back mm. he's probably fine yeah he's probably just having a drink somewhere drink. yeah fucking Cuba fucking Charles Taylor what an absolute Idiot. Yeah, I, I think that's what I think. It's like people find have a really difficult time accepting that someone was just a dumb woman that day. Yeah, he was <laughs> just being a really dumb woman. To be honest, what I find more fascinating than the events of Flight 19 is how the Bermuda Triangle myth snowballed around Flight 19. So it's not until like a good 20 years later, until we're in the 60s, early 70s, that people start writing about this in earnest. So during the 60s and 70s, there's a real rise in like pulp magazines, you know, so like like science fiction and stuff. Okay. Um, hmm. Around the 1950s as well, there is that whole thing with B-movies and that kind of culture is everywhere. And there's a really strong argument to support that this huge amount of like science fiction-y type stuff was influencing people's psyche at the time. Ah, And then you've got the Vietnam War as well. So people are super like negative about the military to begin with. So it's sort of fostering this kind of distrust and like you're, you don't accept the reality that's presented to you. And then a few authors start writing for different pulp magazines about, oh, this is, this is the the mystery of the Bruno Triangle. And it gets perpetuated much later. And then they find lots of different cases like you might have heard of the Marie Celeste which was yes. a famous ghost ship in I think the 1600s Ooh. that was found completely empty of all people but fully stocked with food and water just floating through that area and that was the beginning of it, it wasn't called the Bermuda Triangle then I think it was called the Devil's Triangle and mm. um, that was the beginning of that that is so spooky so it was already it a spooky. triangle from olden times and then the flight thing happened and they kind of connected the two? Essentially, yeah. Okay. And there are other... If you think about the crossing between, like, Europe and America, it's... The whole thing is rich with fucking weird maritime stories because you've got piracy. Like, it's a it's a huge time yeah. for turmoil and for death. And because nobody can really agree on where exactly the Bermuda Triangle is, anything that happens in and around that area, they attribute to the Bermuda yeah, Triangle. Yeah, exactly. So people like the main prophecy. Yeah, they yeah. self-perpetuate it. Um, 
But yeah, it's just kind of this weird example of this one event that people have taken in their minds. And because of the very unique time period that it happened in, it just got spiralled into this conspiracy like aliens, electromagnetic fields, all this kind of weird, spooky shit. And then I think there's been the odd other plane that's gone missing. But as Caroline says, air travel wasn't as safe. There's probably other areas like Southeast Asia where... You know, recently, like three or four planes have gone down. Yeah, yeah, and and someone pointed out very um, cleverly that like if if the Bermuda Triangle was truly a thing, like insurance premiums would go up if you were going to through that area. Yes, like, exactly. Yeah. yeah, there would be a thing, and like we don't because we have GPS now because flying is safer. Like we don't hear anything about it anymore, but we still kind of enjoy the myth of it. I think. Yeah, and yeah. I like it. I'm kind of bummed out that it's not a real myth. Like, it is just someone being a twat one time and then lots of ideas yeah. snowballing around it. Yeah. Classic man behavior. Classic man, man. <laughs> the Bermuda Triangle is not a smart man. <laughs> but Barry Manilow is, and you should all download his song. So we're nearly at the end of the podcast, which means that it's time for our smart lesson. Last week, we learned that mentoring younger women is a great way for you to feel less afraid of them and for them to be less inclined to fire you once you've had your second baby. Hooray! Circle of life, Han. Circle of life. Yeah. This week, we're teaching you how to do sponsored content. Alex, you do a lot of hashtag spawn for Greg's, don't you? Um, So why don't you walk us through this week's smart lesson? Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, Greg's has yet to actually formalise our sponsorship agreement and we don't have anything in writing and no finance has passed between us. But yes, I do consider myself a sort of volunteer influencer, a freelancer for Greg's, if they you will. They did send you a voucher on your birthday. You got a tote bag, They did, yeah. yes, they did. Um, I did a newsletter, a, a, an ode, if you will, to Greg's and having Greg's on your lunch. And uh, then I put the hashtag spawn on my post on Instagram as a lol, because that's the type of cad I am. Don't act like we weren't doing this as a way to get free food out of the Oh, we Greg. definitely were. We like, definitely don't, were. don't shit with me. I was there and when we came up with this plan. That's <laughs> not even when it happened either. It happened after we badgered them incessantly, I'd say, for about three weeks. And then they sent me a £10 Greg's VIP card. Nice. And a tote bag. And then you took me out for a Greg's lunch. I did, to you celebrate did. my newfound fame. There we go. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But um, yeah, to uh, to create sponsored content, and if you're asked to create sponsored content, it basically means that you're so brilliant at being on Instagram that big companies pay you to make their protein powder look brilliant. That's the sort of gist of it. Okay. Um, you know, they do it for protein powder and various. They seem makeup to only brands. do it yeah. for protein powder. Protein powder teas, or teas. teas, teas that make you yes. Shit. Yeah. Uh, so basically, yeah, you know, there's a lot of people that do it for protein powders. I, in hand, do this for steak bakes. And the key is to not look too desperate for freebies, which we did not achieve because we stalked Greg's until they basically were like, get off my, our back. Here's £10. <laughs> we did. Although it was £10 quite in Greg's is like winning the lottery, kind of, isn't it, really? You can get like 500 jam donuts for that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, or, you know, don't try and look too affiliated with the direct product that you are definitely being paid directly to promote. It has to come from the heart. Oh. But yeah. for cash. It has to be organic. It has to be organic, but 
you will send them your bank details and they will pay you for an Instagram <laughs> post. Sometimes I like to hashtag spawn my posts even though they aren't sponsored. And why do you do that? Uh, well, you know, do you know when you start a Kickstarter and you kind of, you sort of throw in a few of your own quids <laughs> oh, yeah. to get the pot going, to get everyone yeah. excited and say, oh, look, someone else has donated 12 yeah, quid. Float. <laughs> yeah, I feel like if I if I just sort of like hold a, a sort of a, a, a can of Dr. Pepper Light and be like, oh, hashtag spawn, other brands will see and eventually Unilever will give me Gary Lineker's job oh great I will be the Walker's liberal and just taking down Piers Morgan on Twitter yeah I do that anyway great for free so someone should pay me to do that while eating crisps well great I mean uh, I think we're all gonna go forth and hashtag spawn our Instagram posts uh, Mm -hmm. until they are actually genuinely hashtag spawn yeah maybe we should do that on Dom Women's Instagram feed which we now have oh yeah which Plug. is at Dumb Women Pod, the same as the Twitter. Almost like we planned it. Mm. So we've reached the end of the podcast. We'd like to say thank you to Lisa Owens for us stealing her tweet and pretending she was tweeting us. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you. The Bermuda Triangle. The Bermuda, the Bermuda Triangle, yeah. Fish and chips. Yeah. Batter, mostly. Thanks to Batter. Thanks, Batter. Thanks, Gavin Day, for making colourful logos so we don't get bored of them. Thank you, Harry Harris, for making colourful music as well, so that you don't get bored of our voices. And thank you to Soho Radio for letting us get sweaty in their studio. Join us again next Tuesday for more School for Dumb Women. Bye! Bye! I got a splinter in my splinter and I'm coming round for tea. I've only got my tweezers, you're gonna pluck it out for me. <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.